it's okay to change. Like just because you did it once one way doesn't mean that it that's exactly how you have to do it or stick with it. You know, if if it's not working out or if the tool itself isn't working out, I think people are are invested in the sunk cost of oh, we're, well, we're already here, we already did it. Um, but if it doesn't fit your process or the process that you are aiming for, change it. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in pursuit of unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps Rockstar. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest to the podcast brings over five years of RevOps experience. This person helps companies implement best practices and drive go-to-market efficiencies to support their growth. She is a proven leader who has implemented and scaled operations teams in-house in various software companies. And now she works with many companies to increase operating leverage from the investor side. We're so thrilled to have to the podcast today, VP of Revenue Operations, at Mainsail Partners, Megan Hines. Welcome to the podcast, Meg. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. First off, we always love to hear some battle scars and battle stories. And I would love to hear from either your experience working directly within a company or helping advise uh, RevOps leaders now. What is something that you tend to see RevOps leaders learn the hard way? Learn the hard way. Good question. Um, just because it's how it's happening doesn't mean it's the right way. Or if it's always been done that way, doesn't mean it's the right way. So um, I, I can say that from experience. And I can say uh, I oftentimes see people coming into new roles, uh, kind of running into that. And so I would suggest anybody that's either new to a company or new to the role, um, don't assume that the data is right. Don't assume that the processes are right coming in. Do yourself a favor and do kind of a full audit of the customer journey and really start to understand where's the data, where's the inputs coming from, and also identify any of those gaps that are there because they likely are. You know, startups and, and SaaS companies have grown quickly. And so, um, you know, there's there's always some holes that didn't get filled along the way. I feel like there's a story or <laughs> a personal experience of what you're describing and alluding to as holes. Yeah. So I um it was more on kind of our embedded payments information side, but uh really just taking the data from our partners as truth. Uh when I when I took that over and as I was going through it over a few months, I really started to say like, you know, this doesn't seem right. There's no way that we're we're making this margin on this group of customers at the price we're set at. Um, and turns out kind of the whole relationship price setting process was wrong. Um, and so they had a different expectation of what that price was than we did. And so uh, we were losing out on some revenue there that we quickly resolved. And this was when you were in-house um, leading RevOps yourself. This is when I was in-house leading RevOps, yes. 
But Meg, we're really thrilled to talk to you, especially the fact that you're in this operating role uh, now. Um, tell us about Mainsail Partners. Yeah. Um, so Mainsail growth equity firm um, based now out of Austin and San Francisco. Um, and we really look to invest in rapidly growing bootstrap software companies that we believe have the potential to be category leaders in their own right. Um, and then once we invest, once we're on the other side of it, we really look to drive that value creation. And that's via our dedicated operations team, which I'm a part of that ops team now. But um, really purpose-built to meet founders and leaders where they are and really help them scale their businesses and accelerate growth. And tell us more specifically about your role. Um, I partner with our portfolio companies in a few different ways, really depending upon their needs. Um, so we can either be hands-on within the company, within the systems, within the processes, you know, really acting as if we are a part of that business. Um, or we can bring, you know, our, our many years of best practices and experience and, and hard lessons learned in some cases um, to really be kind of that advisory or that brainstorm resource for any of our leaders within the company to, um, to help them grow and whether they're former or facet they're growing in. So depending on the nature of the investment, you must walk in the door to companies that literally have no RevOps function. And then you probably have the other end of the, the spectrum of, of companies that are a bit more mature with that. So really must yeah. be quite thrilling to do what you do. It is. It's never the same. Every day is different. So that's what makes it exciting. I think I think that's probably the case for everyone in RevOps, but I guess I'm, I'm magnified since I see that across multiple different companies every day. How do you measure success? That's a good question. Um, so I would say that two two forms. Um, success for my RevOps leaders um, is really going to be, you know, it, inherent in the title uh, RevOps. Like, are we really truly helping revenue grow and expand in an efficient manner? Um, and so tying back any of the, the RevOps strategic initiatives to the growth or to the retention of, of any of that revenue is truly success. Um, and then I'd also say personal success too. So um, really making sure that all of our RevOps leaders are in a place where they feel like they're continuously growing and learning, whether that be expanding their business acumen or um, maybe learning and integrating new systems that should never, in my opinion, Success should never feel like you're stagnant. There should always feel like there's something else that you're working towards. A little earlier, you touched on pre-investment work that, mm -hmm. that you do. So the due diligence, um, is there anything that's a red flag within RevOps that you find during due diligence? Is there anything that's a red flag? That's a good question. Um, definitely lean a lot on our investment team to understand you know, the full health of the business too. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily say that there's anything that's a red flag. I think there's a lot that is um, opportunities to put a positive spin on it and really outlines kind of the emphasis of, you know, when we invest, where do we start? Um, and a lot of times in bootstrap businesses, that that's truly the process. That's understanding the full customer lifecycle um, and making sure that the data that we have is operational, meaning you know, in diligence, you may have 
30 days to pull information together and you may be able to piece that together between a bunch of different systems or people across the organization, but really having that information on hand to make the day-to-day -day decisions and really be in the hands of the reps or the go-to-market individuals that are talking to your customers day-to-day -day is really key. So um, I know I kind of changed up that question a little bit, but- no, I, think it, I, I think it's great. And, yeah. and one quick follow-on would be, um, I'm, I'm curious, there, there must be a triangulation if you're working with an existing portco and they look to do an acquisition, are, um, are you involved in helping with them think through what that'll mean for them? Uh, probably the most complex work that we do is the acquisition integration work as it impacts the tech stack. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, there's, there's a side to think about it in terms of, you know, how does this revenue impact kind of the overall revenue of the business? Um, is this the right fit for our customers? And then how do we go about uh, kind of the buying process for any add-ons or M&A? But to your point, yeah, there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that has to go into, um, you know, from finance all the way to tech stack. Um, so yeah, really helping our, our, portfolio companies think through not only what needs to happen, but what are the sequence of things that should happen um, and what has to happen out of the gate versus what has to happen within, you know, 90 days to a year of the acquisition. So, um, and that definitely varies by acquisition. They're never the same. So again, always interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think that prioritization and sequencing has been a big part of our roadmap work over, over the years. Um, so that's great to hear that you help the yeah. portfolio companies think through that as well. Meg, can you paint me a little bit more of a picture around where or how mature are your portfolios when main, main sale gets involved? Are there already established RevOps teams? Are there companies where, hey, they're just starting the RevOps function? What's kind of the gamut of um, types of portfolios you're helping with? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say it's it's all over the map, but it generally leans more towards um, not necessarily having that RevOps function uh, as I would define it. And so there may be individuals within that are really there to help optimize process or optimize data or or have it in place that are just not solely dedicated to that RevOps space. Um, so I would say most often, and, and that comes with the territory, right, of bootstrapped. It's impressive to see what these companies have done just on their own without any capital, outside capital coming in. Um, and so a lot of times it's really either uh, heavy product focus or heavy sales focus, but may not necessarily have that full process or full data understanding. Um, and so, yeah, implementing RevOps and implementing that data structure in that uh, full customer journey process is, is number one when we come in. Yeah, that's really helpful because uh, it seems like at that stage of opportunity, as you've described, there seems to always be so many things that they could do to level up. But how do you choose very uh, wisely how to deploy your capital first, right? There is the mm -hmm. order of operations we need to consider in terms of how much impact it will have. And right. it sounds like you're prioritizing um, certainly that data structure the, the foundational architecture first uh, before some of the other aspects. Exactly. Yes. Knowing that um, some of your RevOps functions are less baked than others, how do you prefer to engage with RevOps teams? That's a, that was a good way to say it, less baked than others. Um, 
So totally depends. And we like to, again, meet the founders and meet the leaders um, where it fits best for them. And so generally, if uh, a RevOps leader comes in, I like to do one-on-ones with them. Um, also getting heavily involved in any of the strategic projects that they might be looking at initially. Um, you know, whether that be any new system implementations or designing a whole new sales structure um, or kind of setting up onboarding or implementations in such a way that it's an easy handoff from sales to onboarding to um, customer success or support or whatever that might look like on the end. Um, so again, really dependent. We have a lot of great best practices, a lot of great playbooks that have worked in the past, um, but really like to generally assess where the companies are and what their their strategic needs are initially. But um, I think one of the big value adds is really just getting our leaders within each portfolio company together because they're the ones in the end that are, you know, day-to-day in the business experiencing any of the issues or opportunities. Um, so we have a revenue operations leadership group internal at Mainsail where we pull in all of our RevOps leaders across the portfolio um, monthly, quarterly, get everyone together either on kind of a hot topic uh, that either they bring to us or we bring to them and then really have them just discuss amongst the group and understand what everybody else is doing because I think that's one of the best learning opportunities as well. Yeah, that to me makes a ton of sense. And we experience it in a similar way um, with a lot of the companies and, and RevOps leaders we work with. Sometimes the best kind of learning is simply to have folks going through similar challenges and um, similar problems talk to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Sharing across uh, the industry, sharing across different kinds of um, verticals that they're in. Um, David and I, we both host on a monthly basis, these roundtables where they're really curated forums for folks of similar company sizes or similar levels to be able to just share. And and, and sometimes um, they might be more on the marketing ops side. Sometimes they might be more on the sales ops side. You know, RevOps has that uh, flavor that differs company to company. And being able to, I think, help them hear also from peers that aren't in their company and what they're challenged by and like their perspective is so huge and advancing the understanding cross-functionally. Yes. And it's amazing to see, you know, these are individuals that are so passionate passionate about not only, you know, their businesses, but what they can do to help kind of the customers and and RevOps overall. And so really seeing their excitement and getting involved and helping somebody else's, you know, problem or or getting to that solution is really exciting. Yeah. And it's also very rewarding to be able to see that kind of impact beyond just the immediate team and company you're in. Exactly. Yeah. When you mentioned getting involved in not only one-on-ones, but also some of the more strategic conversations with Portco's, some of the bigger initiatives, mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear, you know, given the different kinds of things that a company could prioritize in, say, um, the first six months or first year of receiving investment from Mainsail, what kinds of initiatives have you observed RevOps teams getting themselves more into trouble with? Like, what are the more challenging, stickier kinds of initiatives where you're like, oh, you got to be careful with that. Like, (laughs) you want to make sure you plan ahead um, before they jump in. Um, I would say anything that has to do with deploying um, a, a new piece of of technical function. So, um, you know, CRMs come to mind where 
initial thought, you're like, oh yeah, this is easy, you know, flowing from marketing to sales to um, onboarding, customer success. You're like, oh yeah, I got this. I have this customer journey. And then everyone kind of comes out of the woodwork to say like, oh, and this, and this, and this integration. So um, really making sure that if you're doing any sort of technical integration, that you're over communicative on what it is you're doing, what it is you're not doing, um, and anything that might be staged along the way. And so in order to get to that, you know, MVP, that V1 of full function, everyone's able to use it, but it may not have all the bells and whistles yet that you want it to have is really outlining what are those stages of implementation and being very clear to everybody about um, what it's going to have and what it's not going to have. David and I are both chuckling here in the background because we hear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say amen, but I didn't know if that'd be appropriate. <laughs> and, and I think um, a lot of times what's so interesting about founder-led businesses, founder-led SaaS companies is they had to bootstrap their way along and they will, they're very resourceful and they find ways to say, hey, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to learn on the job. I'm going to figure it out. And when it comes to something like RevOps or something as um, done as many times as be that a CRM implementation across the board or specific functions, there are people out there that have done it over and over again. Like you don't actually need to figure it out yourself, right? Yes. And um, something we end up joking about for folks who end up saying, hey, we're going to try to take a stab ourselves is we'll see you in six months. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, as, as consultants, we're like, we can help you prevent yourselves from stepping in kind of these, um, common pitfalls, just stand on our shoulders, please. Like we beg you to just stand on our shoulders and, and yes. go from there. I'm sure you have seen it all at this point. <laughs> There's definitely some, some repeat themes that we would love for companies to avoid. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, um, these big Six, uh, big initiatives. They're very transformative. Um, you talked about staging, the importance of being able to say, hey, we're going to do just this MVP now, and then we can roll out additional functionality as we go, or uh, based on, let's say, adoption or based on certain key metrics. Can you comment a bit about um, what are some of those kind of milestones that you look for to say, hey, I'm really seeing improvement and progress within that RevOps function? Um, yeah, I think really implementing, um, all of the reporting necessary again, to be at the hands of the individuals, not only kind of at that leadership level, but at the day-to-day -day go to market function level to be able to help to drive their metrics. And so, um, it, and I'm sure you guys have heard too, along the way of, you know, people tracking stuff outside of the system, whatever that system may be. Um, and you're like, well, why, why aren't you tracking it in, you know, name the CRM or name the system. It's like, oh, I don't trust the data. Right. Um, so really getting to the point where, we understand, we trust that the data in there is accurate, and then we can drive insights from that data, I think is, is truly success of, you know, implementing a new tech stack or, or really any sort of kind of milestone um, that or, or strategic initiative that RevOps is going for. It's, you know, is the data right? That's inherent on hey, we got the process right. Um, and not only is the data there, 
everyone can see it, it's operational. And then, oh, by the way, we have all of these insights that we can provide from that data to make better business decisions. Yeah, I can definitely understand the urgency, especially coming from the investor side, to be able to see the reporting uh, be live and also trust the data behind it so that you can actually help advise and um, help devise the strategy for that company moving forward. Yes. But Megan, I'd love to ask you about some uh, RevOps trends. Uh, are there any tools that you've been impressed with lately? Um, any tools that I've been impressed with? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Salesforce. I know that it's kind of the giant in the industry, but I think there's a lot of things that you can do with that. Um, and I also really do like outreach.io. Um, I think, you know, there's people are getting savvy to just the, the one-off you know, sales calls that are coming in. So really having a holistic cadence or strategy around how you're connecting with your prospects or how you're connecting with your customers uh, is really key. And I think that's that's a good leverage point too. And when your uh, when the portfolio companies adopt those tools, uh, are you seeing them uh, do an MVP, let's say with outreach, uh, or are they going into, are they expanding into some of the more advanced uh, features? I think, again, it's staged on how it's released. And I think part of that is getting to understand not only the, the capabilities and the functionality that's in there, um, but also the expansion of process as they grow and as the team is able to get some standardization and some additional data. And so, um, you know, I think you implement something and then you start to understand once everybody's on the same cadence, you know, let's take prospects, for example, of, oh, we have all of our brand new prospects within this one BDR cadence. And then we start to understand, well, is this working? Is this not? What's our conversion rates here? Um, and that's where you can start to implement some, you know, A-B testing to understand, is this different messaging better? Is it better if I, um, you know, call them first versus email them first. And I'm giving very specific examples now. But um, I think as you start to understand and process that initial data that's coming from the system, you start to kind of expand into those advanced features that it offers because it supports the expansion of your process overall. Well, that's great. I, I appreciate the recommendation around the staging. Mm -hmm. With such good reinforcement, I think a lot of companies will try to dive in, take advantage of too many advanced features before they've, you know, uh, before they've learned the basics or been successful with the basics. Yeah. And I'll add to that. It's okay to change. Like just because you did it once one way, doesn't mean that it, that's exactly how you have to do it or stick with it. You know, if, if it's not working out or if the tool itself isn't working out, I think people are are invested in the sunk cost of, oh, we're, well, we're already here, we already did it. Um, but if it doesn't fit your process or the process that you are aiming for, change it. I think that's such great advice. Um, we've been seeing the impacts of the economy in the SaaS world for about seven months now. Uh, we started seeing quiet rounds of layoffs. We started seeing sort of uh, shifts in what's happening within uh, sales cycles and, and that sort of thing. Are there any specific uh, actions or recommendations that you're giving the RevOps leaders within your portfolio 
to better handle this, uh, this tricky economy? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I'll say this first because we just kind of touched on it, but really reviewing that tech stack and making sure that it fits the process that you are designing um, and also evaluating it for what the full technology can do. I, I think a lot of times um, in really fast growing software businesses, we implement tools that are high design for one function or one facet of the business. But in reality, you know, if it's working for sales as, in terms of an outreach opportunity, maybe it also works for customer success too. Um, so can you leverage more of your teams or more of your entire or company process within one technology? Again, that helps streamline some of the data there too. So you're not having to pass that information along multiple different, um, multiple different technologies across the board. Um, and then I also think that there is going to be a higher concentration in retention and the focus of customer retention and customer retention data overall. So, you know, we're, I think we're entering an environment where, where people are maybe a little bit more hesitant to buy. Um, and so really refocusing on the customer and understanding are we meeting that customer's expectations, that needs? How, how do we either expand that existing customer revenue or how do we really focus on just retaining it? So that old net negative retention, that was sort of a uh, an exciting thing that sounded great. And uh, what did they say, Bessemer uh, might've said, um, you know, a 1% increase in net negative retention would equal a hundred million in valuation. I think that was just a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, now it's vital <laughs> to uh, uh, to do that. Exactly. Meg, I'm interested in whether you've seen some effective ways for RevOps to step up when it comes to things like customer retention or encouraging organic growth. Um, what are the ways we can support sales better? What are the ways we can support CS better so that there's um, a more natural or more seamless, less friction-driven um, process or set of data that they can use to action upon within those departments. Yeah, I think anything we can do to wholly understand the health of our existing customers is great. And so oftentimes within our companies, that looks like a health score. Um, so really evaluating a couple of different facets, depending upon the business itself, but you know, how they're using the data, what as or platform, what aspects of the platform are they using on a regular basis? Um, how do they stack up against, you know, the existing customer base, the rest of the customer base overall? Um, and really starting to outline for our customer success teams, you know, where do our customers sit? Um, and that helps drive, you know, do we focus on retention or is there an opportunity for expansion? Are our customers really, you know, in the red, they're not using our product, we should be concerned? Or um, is everybody generally happy and, and using a product and we have the opportunity to help their businesses more by providing them, you know, additional product opportunities or, um, maybe we already have some different aspects of our business that they're not using that they could be using to better their business. And then that also plays into sales too. So full circle, you know, you can, you can understand 
you know, who's your healthy customer, who's not. And maybe that helps focus our ideal customer profile for marketing and sales to say, you know, hey, this vertical maybe isn't as good as this this other vertical that we're supporting. They don't generate as much revenue. They're not staying as long. We're just really not purpose-built for their specific industry. We should really focus on, you know, this other vertical over here. A couple of things I'm hearing you say, Meg, is one, segmentation within the customer base to better understand whether there are trends within a certain group of users and how they engage with your product. The other thing I'm also hearing you say is um, looking at a lot more usage data for um, really what sounds like leading indicators, right? How can RevOps help with analyzing leading indicators as it comes to product usage so that CS or sales can proactively, you know, come up with campaigns or reach out or engage them um, in order to improve retention. Yes, exactly. And also when you're providing this data in RevOps, you have this unique, unique experience that you have kind of this 50,000 foot view of the entire business um, that you think is evident, but may not be as evident, especially as people are so heads down focused on their functional area. So really kind of you know, providing the data, but also providing the insights based on everything that you're seeing across the business. Um, I think oftentimes, especially newer RevOps leaders, you know, provide the data and, and just provide the data and are a little bit more fearful to say this data means X, Y, Z, or I think based on this, we should do X, Y, Z. Um, but really have that confidence to know that you have that view across the business and don't be afraid to speak up to say, here's my opinion and here's the data that supports that opinion. So Meg, external to main sale partners, are there resources that you steer your RevOps leaders to continue their, their growth and learning? Um, yeah, a couple different ways. I think it's totally dependent on kind of what they're looking for. Um, for example, we have some of our RevOps leaders that were really born from um, different functional areas within the business, whether that be marketing or sales. Um, and so really driving them towards kind of overall business acumen and documentation and understanding kind of um, the overall performance goals of a SaaS business um, versus some people that are really, you know, specific to certain technical aspects. It's like, oh, okay, I was, you know, I, I've been in RevOps forever, but I've never worked with this tool or I've never um, kind of dug into this, this facet of reporting. Um, and so I, kind of all over the map in terms of like where we direct them to. Um, but I will say we also have a lot of um, internal documentation at Mainsail uh, that we provide to all of our portfolio companies because it, it's learnings and best practices that we've collected over the past 20 years that, you know, even though every business is different, it always seems to ring true um, in some form or function to be able to support kind of their growth overall. So um, really try to understand where are they coming from in RevOps? What are their goals in, the, in RevOps? And then um, providing the information that can help best, them, best grow into that position. Sounds like an excellent set of resources. Yeah. One of the trends we're hearing a lot uh, from our customers on 
when it comes to transformation in this current market condition and also just advancing kind of the maturity internally is really around product-led growth. Um, PLG just seems to be one of the hottest topics out there. Um, are there any resources, if Mainsail is recommending uh, your port codes and doing so, are there any resources that your team helps point uh, RevOps leaders to when it comes to learning more about PLG or maybe thinking about PLG adoption even? Um, yeah, I'll say that, you know, I, I spoke about our operations team kind of a little bit, but only in, in my kind of little corner. Um, but really, we have an expansive team of individuals that have, you know, been in consulting or have worked in um, companies and in high growth SaaS companies and so have that experience. Um, and so generally anything for PLG, we have, um, you know, some wonderful individuals on our team that I direct them towards that are more uh, experienced in that area than I am. Fair. Great. And yeah. we always love to, you know, share whatever latest learnings or communities that there might be, because I feel like everyone is trying to learn very quickly, drink yeah. from the fire hose with all the changes happening out there. Um, if you think of resources along our conversation, please do share. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of um, a lot of kind of the co-ops that are out there too, because it's a great place to kind of just drop some knowledge or ask a question. I think oftentimes in this environment, we're, you know, a team of one or two um, sometimes siloed within companies. And so it's great to, again, just be able to grab that perspective. So, um, you know, any of the, the RevOps co-ops or Wizards of Ops out there is fantastic. Yeah, I think we found through the start of COVID and up through to till today that the roundtables are so mm -hmm. powerful uh, for that. So we encourage any any of our listeners to take advantage of uh, groups that they find to just you know, get out and interact with other folks uh, also in the RevOps space. Yes. It's it's great not only for understanding any problems that you have, but also being proactive in what you could be doing. So um, even if you're like, no, I'm, I'm pretty content at where we're at with RevOps or, you know, within the business, it's always great to kind of get some new ideas out there and understand what you could be doing. So Meg, the first part of the podcast, we learned a lot from you and that's been awesome. Thank you so much. We'd love to shift and learn a little bit more about you. Okay. So you're based in Denver, Colorado. I am, uh, yes. You, you went to University of Kansas. You mm -hmm. did a, a bachelor's in accounting and marketing. Uh, you went for a master's in accounting. And yeah. I know that early in your career, you were, were doing some pretty heavy duty accounting and uh uh, I think that's an incredible foundation for what you're doing now. Um, uh, you, uh, prior to your current role, you were at Gusto mm -hmm. and you're uh, leading revenue insights and operations. Um, I I'm curious, so if you could um, uh, take us all the way back to from when you studied and, you know, how did you, how did this path unfold where you're now uh, working in private equity uh, on an operating team? Yeah. Um... So again, started out in public accounting. Um, I really liked numbers growing up and it seemed like a great opportunity. I, you know, I also had a degree in marketing because I really liked that creative aspect. Um, and then got into public accounting, really loved the puzzle that it created, you know, trying to figure out on the audit side where all the numbers were coming from and how everything tied together. Um, 
that's about all I liked on that side. No offense to any of those <laughs> diehard accountants out there. It just was not the, for me. The few uh, software companies that I worked for, you'd see these groups of auditors come in and they yeah. just hunker in a conference room for what, a month? And yep. Just yeah. like, how they could stay awake and function. <laughs> <laughs> Always such a bad connotation, right? The auditors are here. But, um, you know, I learned a lot, a, a lot of um, foundational knowledge, I'd say, for what I have today, a lot of um, understanding of discipline and how I document any of the, the detail that I'm going through. Um, but really had the opportunity, a, a friend was working at a software company um, in Denver and they had this role and it was operations and analytics. And she's like, I don't know, it just sounds like you'd be really good at this. Um, and so I went there and, you know, typical software startup, everyone was like, you know, throwing darts and had on leggings. It was completely 180 from uh, what I was used to in the public accounting world. But uh, really fell in love with the company and the people there because everyone was so passionate about what they were doing and helping customers. Um, and so really jumped into the ops and analytics role. And it's funny because, you know, when I first came in, one of my first priorities was, hey, we have this Salesforce implementation, but no one's really using it the same and it doesn't really generate any of the data that we need. Um, and so it was kind of presented as like, oh, there's this auditor coming in to look at Salesforce, um, which is now a joke. I'm, but, I'm thinking uh, of Star Wars theme yeah. music in the background when, yeah. when the Empire shows up. But, um, you know, really had the opportunity to dive into that and, and work really closely with our sales team and our, our new sales leader that came in. Um, work really closely with finance and uh, customer success. And so I got to get my hands kind of into every aspect of the business in terms of overall process, um, customer data, what we could be doing. Um, and so it was really kind of RevOps before RevOps was a thing. Um, and that was my my first exposure to um, private equity. So Mainsail was actually the investor um, in that company at the time. Um, so stayed kind of post-exit from Mainsail um, for a little while and then had the opportunity to go to um, Gusto VC-backed and really work um, at a little bit larger company that still kind of felt like a startup um, in their revenue operations space and really kind of support the teams um, and again, expanding how do we utilize this customer data and how can we make better informed decisions overall and present that information to our forward-facing teams. Um, and then had the opportunity to actually come to Mainsail um, and get to work with all of our different portfolio companies in a way that, you know, I, I did it. I was in the portfolio. I was an operator within the business and I get to take that experience um, and really help all of our portfolio companies that are kind of in that same position that I was a couple of years ago. That is so awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing, sharing yeah. that story. Uh, to go one step further, if you could give yourself uh, advice going back to day one, uh, in your current role, what would you say? Advice going back to day one in my current role, I think it would be the same advice that I give everyone else. It's just, you know, have a strong opinion, have it be data backed, but really have a strong opinion and don't be afraid to share it. Um, because a lot of times, again, you're, you might have experience or expertise um, that you may assume that everybody else has, but, you know, they're kind of looking to you to be that person to say like, oh, based on this data and based on what I've seen historically, this is what I think we should do. Um, and 
you know, you may be wrong. You're going to be wrong, right? No one's, no one's right hundred percent of the time. Um, but having that conviction and having that data to back, uh, your opinions, I think is, you know, the advice I would give to anyone, including a young me. Oh, that's great. And, um, I think from the consulting side, what we've experienced is the expectation of, uh, being prescriptive. Uh-huh. So having that opinion, sticking by it and saying, you know, having the conviction to say, this is the path forward, given what you've shared, your goals, your strategy, this is what the path that we should take to support that growth over the next time period. Yeah. It's clear, Megan, the conversation we've had thus far that you get a ton of, um, personal reward from working and seeing how you can help a lot of companies with budding RevOps teams kind of level up and increase um, the impact that they bring to the business outside of work. Like, I know that can get pretty intense because you're working with a bunch of portcos at the same time, right? Uh, Outside of work, how do you unwind? Like, what do you do to keep yourself fresh? How do you um, stay on top of your own top A game? Um, what are the things that bring you energy? Yeah. Um, so I have two young girls. So um, getting to play with them every day and, and watching them grow is just the best gift I could have ever asked for. So that takes up a lot of my time. But, um, you know, being in Denver, I have every outdoor activity at my fingertips pretty much in my backyard. So um, love getting out, hiking, um, exploring. That's always fun. And then um, I also am really obsessed with DIY projects. So um, I have a vast collection of power tools that (laughs) I I like to build and expand on uh, my home. I think my husband's probably sick of me rearranging our house or, or, adding, adding or subtracting walls in some instances, but, um, yeah, love, love anything DIY with power tools mixes kind of that numbers and creative aspect that I love. It sounds like a workshop in the making. Yes. (laughs) What was the last thing you built? Uh, I built some built-ins in our playroom, uh, to hide all the toys. So it's, you know, they're all nicely tucked away until my girls get home from school. So I love uh, what you're saying around being able to tie, you know, obviously family is so important. It puts everything in context, right? Like it doesn't matter how big of a fire you're dealing with at work. Like you come back and you're like, okay, this is what really matters. And also the opportunity to use your hands, right? We're so much of our work is uh, incredibly intellectual, theoretical, sometimes conceptual. And to be able to come down and actually feel really grounded by um, seeing something come together. You might be the second guest uh, on the podcast that's uh, really into using power tools and woodworking and that sort of thing, which is, which is quite a surprise. <laughs> we'll have it's to a, monitor that as a trend. Yeah. Maybe there, maybe there's some correlation there. We'll have to check. <laughs> <laughs> Final question, Meg, you've been so generous sharing your experiences with us. I know along the way, there's probably been a lot of people in your career and your path that have helped you get to where you are. Who are some of the RevOps pros out there that have um, given you a boost, been mentors for you, or just folks you admire who you're like, hey, these are people I want to, you know, highlight, shout out to, continue learning from? Yeah, um, I would have to say Rosalind Santa Elena. I think, you know, everybody knows her. She's She's been a huge advocate for RevOps overall, but also um, women 
in RevOps and the workspace. And so uh, very much admire her for what she's done in, in terms of, you know, advancing her career, but also growing her family. So she's been uh, a huge uh, inspiration to me. And then um, there's an individual, Jeff Gardner. So he was the uh, CEO at the first task company I started at um, and was very uh, supportive in all of my career and everything that I could do, even when I didn't yet believe in myself to do it. Um, and so very grateful to him when he said, you know, oh, you'll figure it out. I'll help you, you know. Um, and then I also uh, work closely with an individual, Phil Stern. And so we have a joke. I've, I've worked with Phil longer than I've been married. So uh, we are now on our fourth company together. Um, he is a sales leader, but I, you know, RevOps is really dependent upon the partnerships that we create across the business. And Phil and I have created um, a really great partnership and in, in understanding and support of, you know, data and team and process and function. And so um, really owe all those people a lot for all of the inspiration they've provided. Amazing. And it's so wonderful um, to have folks who you feel like, hey, we're in it together, um, partner in crime, you know, jump in, transform a business, be able to see results. Uh, that sounds so rewarding. Yes. Yeah. I, I could go on, I could list names for hours, but yes. Um, you, my mom always told me and some good advice for everybody is that you can learn something from everybody, whether that be good or bad. So, um, from every encounter, every situation, I always try and take something away from it. So positive. Last but not least, where can people find you if they wanted yeah. to connect, yeah. if they wanted to hear more about what you're up to, the kind of transformation you're helping companies do? Um, how can people find you online? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, please connect with me. I love having conversations across the board about RevOps or anything SaaS related. So connect with me um, on LinkedIn, Megan Hines, or um, also follow Main Sale Partners on LinkedIn too. We, we uh, promote a lot of great content on there. Awesome. Thank you, Meg. Yeah. Well, Meg, we've really appreciated this chance to spend time with you uh, today. Uh, we appreciate all of your insights that you've shared, all of the, the learnings, uh, and a little bit about your background and your interests. It's really been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And again, you all are, are fabulous to work with. So it was great to have a conversation today about all the work you all are doing in, in RevOps and across the board. And uh, I also wanted to thank uh, our audience for being part with us in this very special episode where we not only get to speak to someone who has that RevOps experience, but also is helping lots of other companies do it and not a consultant, right? You're on the investor side. I think that's very, very special. And if you've learned something today, hearing uh, Meg's experience share uh, or found a particular piece of advice useful, please tell someone about the podcast. We'd love to share and build this RevOps community um, and, and continue expanding on the learning that we're trying to do together. Thank you again, Meg, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you both. And this has been another exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time. Stay classy, Rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OptFocus. 
Visit OpFocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations. 